if you didn't think there was such a thing as mermaids, now you know. I miss my kids being that little that they want to bring, like, want to wear stuff like that to church. It was always awesome. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. It's a blessing to just get to, to gather with the saints on Sunday. I always look forward to it. And, and, uh, so let's pray. Jesus, we just we thank you for um, gathering us, God, for um, bringing us from all the places that we've come, God, for uh, bringing us uh, through this week successful. God, and we just we pray that uh, that today you would. Minister your word to us, God, as only you can do. God, that you would prepare this word with the fire of your Holy Ghost. God, that you would bring it forth exactly as as you uh, intend it. God, that you'd uh, organize my thoughts, God, so that uh, God that, that this thing would come forth as you intend. God, and I just I pray that you would uh, just prepare our hearts to receive it, God, that it, that it would take root in us and, and, and bring forth fruit. God, we pray it in your name. God, today, God, we just we want to receive from you all that you have for us, God, all that you've intended. And uh, we want to receive it from your hand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's go to Exodus 32. So, so in Exodus 32, um, you know, of course, God has uh, brought them out of Egypt, and here they are uh, at Mount Sinai, and Moses is is up on the mount receiving the the commandments from God and everything, um, and uh, and he leaves uh, Aaron in charge. You ever leave somebody in charge of something? And then it just kind of turns into a disaster. Uh, so, so Moses got to have one of those experiences here. Um, and so, of course, Moses has, has been up there for a while. Um, because uh, it the Bible says he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and... Uh, and so in 32 it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said, Up, make us gods which should go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. So, it's like, it's like children. It's like, I turned my back for five minutes. <laughs> and all of a sudden everything starts going awry. Um, but uh, um, it's, and it's interesting because you know, the people have seen what God has done. They haven't really, you know, uh, in this, you know, in this old leading up to this old covenant, you know, they haven't really interacted with God directly. Uh, but they, uh, you know, they've uh, they've seen all the things that God did, how He, he tore up Egypt and, and all this stuff. And then, you, you, 
you kind of just have to wonder what what they were thinking that that they would say, hey, let's, you know, I don't know about this Moses guy and where he went, and you know, we 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 need like a statue. You know, I mean, people, you know, it's human nature to like to be able to see something, you know, to like have something to look at, to point at, and um, uh, so I suppose they're no different in that respect, but. Uh, um, I think it's funny that one of the commandments that the that Moses is getting ready to bring down off the mountain is not making any graven image, and and here they are, you know, make a graven image. So Aaron says to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons, especially your sons and your daughters. <laughs> bring them to me. Okay, full disclosure: I wore an earring in high school because it was the '90s. Um, uh, so he says, you know, get, break off your earrings, bring it to me. And the people broke off the golden earrings that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. And after he had made it a molten calf, they said, and they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Like to the Lord, really? You know, I mean, if you read this in the Darby, you know, it's like I mean, this is like the all caps in in the King James. This is where they use the word Jehovah. It's like so he says we're gonna have a feast to Jehovah. Here's our our golden calf, you know, and and uh, so quite mixed up here. Um, but it's interesting because. You know, Aaron was was called by God to be the high priest, but he didn't have the same um, the same sense of of you know communication and relationship with God. And so, in Moses's absence, he was easily swayed by the people, and uh, uh, because you know, and we'll see later on how he tells Moses that. Uh, these people are set on mischief. Um, so, so he's so he's kind of combining these two ideas of this this golden calf and and real God. And it said, and they rose up early on the morrow, and they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And this word laugh, or this word play means to laugh or to mock. Or can mean to play. It's kind of all those things together. Um, so essentially, they're just having a party. And you know, God is is not opposed to parties, of course, but uh, um, they're rather off base here, of course, and uh, to begin with, with the with the whole confusion of the golden calf and everything. And in verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, Go and get thee down, for thy people which you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves and turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they've made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You know, I know God is not a man, but you know, He, you know, he has... He, you know, he talks about having 
you know, feelings like we do. And you just, you think about that. It's like, here's, you know, I did all this stuff for them and, and rescued them. I heard their, their sighing and I remembered them and I sent a deliverer and I, I, I destroyed their enemies and, and brought them out with a mighty hand and protected them all the way out here to the mountain. And now they're coming up with some other gun. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. If you've ever had somebody uh, just, you know, if you've ever done something for somebody and then had them just totally spit in your face about it and, and just act like it was nothing and worthless, then then you have some idea of what God's talking about here. And and there's not much worse than when you, you, you go out of your way to, to do something really nice for somebody and they uh, and they, they turn around and um, and act nasty about it uh, or, or just stab you in the back, you know. Um, so, but the, the great thing is, is if you've had that happen to you, then, you know, you, you know you're in good company because God knows exactly how that feels. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people. Behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them. I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against the people which you brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and said, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give to you and to your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. So, um, it's like, boy, good thing Moses was there, right? You know, but, uh, you know, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, as Moses brings us back to, um, you know, remember, you know, think about what everyone's going to say about you. Like they're going to say that you brought them out, and you couldn't bring them in, and they're they're gonna they're gonna think that you, because you couldn't do it, you just killed them all out here in the wilderness. And God says, "Yes, precisely. It's a great idea." <laughs> it's like if you've ever been on a road trip with children. <laughs> uh, there used to be this billboard when you were coming out of out of the west end of Kansas City on I seventy that uh for and it's an advertisement for this like zoo out in Salina. You know, and it's like kids restless question mark. And it's like this you know, rolling hills, Salina, Kansas, you know, and there's like a rhino on it or something. I was like, it should say, you'll kill them before you get to <laughs> Rolling Hills and so on. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's it's awesome because um, you know, Moses, he, you know, he obviously, I, I'm, I'm sure this was you know, exactly what God knew would happen. But you know, but Moses doesn't make it about the people; he makes it about God. And how it's like you know this is you know 
it's like you know you 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 promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that you were going to do this, and um, and I know that you can you can get these people where they need to be, and you can you can make this happen because it's it's not about Israel being uh, you know having all their duckies in a row because here being left to their own devices for about five weeks they have. Um, uh, uh, they have departed from from this uh, from real God, and they've made God in their own image, in, the, in this image that they've imagined, because because Aaron built made this calf, and then he said, "Tomorrow's a feast to the Lord." It's like, okay, it's like I thought you were talking about the calf. He's like, yes. It's like, of course it is. It's like this is this is God. No, 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 no. So in verse 14, the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. And the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and the other side were they written. And the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as, as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, nor the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the table out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made, they burned it with fire, ground it to powder, strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you brought so great a sin on them? So, you know, I, I don't know what Moses looked like, but I kind of picture like this really like frightening guy with like long gray beard and like, you know, the long hair and just like, you know. You know, big like eyebrows like this long. It's like, what has happened to her? You know, and uh, you know, scary guy. It's kind of what I picture here. Uh, and Aaron said, "Let not the anger of my lord wax hot. You know the people that they're set on mischief." And they said to me, "You know, I love how he passes the buck here because this would have been the place where he says, no." When they when they said make us gods, it's like we have a god, and and uh, and we can't we, you know you don't need to see him to know that he's there. But he said, you know that they're set on mischief. They said to me, make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man which brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what's become of them. And I said to them, Who, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. And they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire and. There came out this calf. So it's funny how he kind of tells the story a little off here. Because it it specifically tells you that he got out his tools and he made a golden calf. And uh, I I made some pretty sweet clay sculptures in my time that looked vaguely like what they were supposed to. And I know that if you are going to sculpt something or, or, you know, Make a statue of some sort. It's going to have take some serious intention and work. So I love how he says, "And out came this calf." Like, like, well, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I put all the gold in there, and and just 
this calf came out. It was like, ooh, spooky. I got goosebumps just talking about it, man. You know. And uh, of course, this calf was not able to, uh, you know, strike Moses blind or something while he was grinding it up and burning it and and all that. So, uh, some god. Uh, and when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves to him. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think you know, naked is the right word here, I would imagine, but um, this, uh, it uses this word throughout the Old Testament for a lot of different things. Um, uh, because it, it has this uh, idea of of something being uncovered uh, or something being loose, like a like um, like like taking a bridle off of a horse. It's like loosing the restraints or the the control uh, from something. So, I mean, when I when I read this, I, I think he literally means that they were naked, but but there's this sense of. Um, of casting away restraint, and then, and of course, that's exactly what what you, what happens when you make God your own way, when you, when you make God what you want Him to be, because uh, oftentimes there's a vast difference between the the God that we want and the God that is, and uh, the uh, you know. The great thing about that is is that there there is then this this real God with with actual standards and uh, and and His image and and His His word and His standards are are absolute. And that's the thing that you have to go by. But uh, it's easy um, in the absence of either the 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 covering ministry of God, or the, uh, or just uh, that, without the restraint of the fear of God, it's easy to make God what you want Him to be. It's not God anymore, and you can call Him Jehovah, but uh, you call Him Jesus, but He's still the golden calf. And so it's a, uh, it's an interesting thing here. This this word naked is the same word it uses in Proverbs twenty nine. Uh, 18, where he says, uh, "Without a vision, the people perish." It's the same word for perish, and so there's this sense of, if you have no vision, it's like you you have cast aside all restraint, and and just do what you want to do. Because if you, you know, and I I like the sense of of like removing the bridle from a horse to to talk about this word because that's how you keep it under control, and. Um, and if you don't have the flesh under control with the bit and bridle, or if it's not just dead, then then it will it will take you where it wants to go, not where you want to go. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard people talk about the permissible will of God. I ran into that when I was in my twenties. It's like, well, God didn't tell me no, so it must be all right. No, and it's like, well, actually, if you're so far away that you can't hear him, you're like out there, like in the far, far, far 
left outfield. And you, you can sort of see the rest of the team down there somewhere. Chances are you're not going to be able to hear the coach telling you what to do. Um, uh, so, you know, without that sense of, of real input from God, and without drawing near to Him, without having that, um, that guidance from the ministry, because of, of course, uh, Ephesians tells us that, that we can't come to that place of the full stature of the man Christ Jesus without the ministry. And, uh, it's easy to, to get out there and think, oh, I'm doing alright. I'm doing everything, you know, everything's great. But, but the Bible plainly says that every man's way is right in his own eyes. So it's easy to convince yourself that, uh, that what I'm doing is right and what I'm doing is okay. And, um, you know, and, and God may, He may, may prick you and you may feel like, ooh, maybe that's bad. Uh, but you can also override that pretty easily. And if you override it enough, God will just drop it. And and you don't want to be there. It's a bad place to be. Um, so, um, so in verse 26, he says, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. Well, can you imagine if, uh, you know, you imagine if Ron came in here and was like, you know, everybody grab your swords and kill your brother. It's like, I don't know, there might be some of us that might be like, all right. <laughs> More likely the Baptists would do that. But. Um, but, uh, but, you know, of course, God's telling us, it's like, hey, you, you don't want to have that kind of element hanging around. You know, it's like Jesus said, you know, if your hand offends, you cut it off. So you, you, you don't you don't want those those things that would uh, that would create this kind of of problem. It says Moses said, "Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day." Um, it's interesting. This consecrate yourselves um, uh, literally means fill your hands to the Lord. Like, like it's like bringing him an offering, but it's like the sense of consecration would be like bringing himself, bringing him you. And and so, so of course, consecrate would be just the right word for that then. And uh, um, so, um, you know, there's there's this, you know, you know, you you could have been you know Christian for thirty years. Your flesh will still tell you that. Coming into like a, a new, deeper consecration to God is going to somehow be boring, or uh, upsetting to you know it's going to upset your flesh's apple cart, no doubt. But it's like you're going to have to leave things aside. That it's like you know. And if you want to get an idea of what the sounds your flesh will make, then take a child's tablet away. 
<laughs> or their phone. That like keening sound that they make. No, it's, it's about right. And we'll just watch them wander aimlessly through the house like, I don't know what to do. Um, but, uh, um, you know, but this, he's, he says to consecrate yourself that God could bestow a blessing on you, you know, and there, I could think of no better blessing than, than being close to him and, and being, and, and seeing him as he is, because if you're going to obey him, you need to see him as he is. You need to understand what it is that he's wanting, because uh, if if you've made God in your own image, then uh, obedience to making God in this image that you've come up with is is not obedience to God, and uh, um, and therefore disobedience. And so, um, so he says, it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said to the people, "You've sinned a great sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Peradventure, I will make atonement for your sin." That's a great word, isn't it? Per adventure, we don't use that word anymore. It's like no. means maybe, yeah. perhaps, we'll see. Hopefully, it's like you know, if you're if you're relying on this guy to kind of be the the uh, the go between between you and God, and he's like, well, maybe I will ask God to forgive you. It's like okay. <laughs> it's like, hey, can I you know can I get you like some. Can I get you like some coffee or something before you head up there? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that Keith Green song about the sheep and the goats, yeah. and uh, and uh, you know God's telling the goats that uh, you know I was hungry and you didn't feed me, and it's like, well, when were you hungry, Lord? I, hey, he's one of the angels. Want to get the Lord a hamburger and a coke? <laughs> oh, you're not hungry. Yeah, I kind of lost my appetite too. You know, and it's like it's. Funny, but it's not funny because it's like, wow, you, that's you know, you don't want to be in that place. But so he says, peradventure, I will make atonement for your sin. Um, and and uh, you know, I think that the church has lost a bit of the fear of God in the sense of we 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 know that God will, will wash our sins away when we, when we repent. But um, I think there's a, a little jolt of healthy fear in wow, I hope God will pass over this thing because otherwise I'm in serious trouble here. You know, and and, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a, a blessing in that fear that keeps you out of trouble. Um, so, I might as well finish. We're only a few, few verses down here. Uh, and Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people has sinned a great sin and have made themselves gods of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, and I like how there's just like a big line there, like a dash, like he just kind of, it's like leaving it hanging. It's like, it's like I don't know if you would, I hope so. Yeah. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And we don't do that so well in the church. You know, if we if we see somebody having a problem, we don't we're not like, oh God, you know, it's like, you know, you you got to wash them in your blood, you gotta you gotta get get this thing fixed. We're like, God, can you believe that? It's like, gosh, it's like it's like smite them, you know, and uh, um, 
Uh, so this is a this would be a really great example because because uh, Moses understands the you know, the heart of God. That because of course God paid the price for your sins and mine, and so He says that if you'll forgive their sin, that'd be awesome. Kind of what I hear in there. And if not, then blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which you've written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever is sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. And now, therefore, go and lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. My angel will go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin on them. And the Lord plagued the people because they had made the calf which Aaron made. So, so he tells Moses, there's, there will still be, you know, a reckoning, you know, because uh, because God will he he forgives the stuff that happens. Uh, but there's also that sense of consequence that he leaves you with that um, is super, super educational. And if you've ever, I don't know, if you ever hurt, um, you know, you hurt somebody's feelings and you, uh, you go to apologize to them like, uh, and they say, thanks. Like, that's a relief, but it's also really awful because it's like, yeah, because everything that's implied in them just saying, Thanks. It's like, well, actually, yeah, that hurt really bad. I can't believe you did that, and that was awful, and blah, 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 you know. And and so you're thinking, yeah, because the response you're hoping for is, oh, that's okay, no problem, no big deal. Because then you're like, oh, good, you know, everything's all great again, you know. But it doesn't have the same impact on changing your behavior moving forward as, yeah, thanks. So, uh, regret and consequence are a really, really great teacher. Uh, go over to Colossians chapter 1. I'll wrap up over there. Then you guys will be on your way to donut time. Although, I don't think anybody brings donuts. You would, you'd, you would think. I don't know. I mean, the way Ron talks about donuts, you'd think somebody would. But... I, I'm glad nobody does, though, because I would have I would have trouble saying no to them. Let's see. It's hard to find a good place to start here. So I suppose one is good enough. One one. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have toward all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit as it does in you, since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. As you learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause also, since the day we heard it, we don't cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and all spiritual understanding. Boy, and that's that's a great prayer, isn't it? Yeah. 
to have to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You could you could also uh, you could also read this to be filled with full recognition and understanding of His purpose in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So God has a purpose for your life, and it's easy to be so focused down on your own life and the own the the things that you have going on, and uh, it's easy to be. Um, you know, to lose sight of this, this recognition of God's purpose and, and this, this wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's easy to uh, just focus on... It's like, man, I just hope people pray for me that I can make it through the week and that I'm going to be here again next weekend. You know, and, and uh, you know, I think we... <laughs> You're all chuckling because we've all had those seasons where you feel like you just sort of coasted from one week to the next. Um uh, but uh, this is a great thing to ask God for, to be filled with the, the knowledge of His will and the, the wisdom uh, and spiritual understanding, the, the full recognition and understanding of His purpose. Because God has a purpose for you that's more than just uh, surviving from week to week. Uh, we, uh, we got to have uh, lunch with um, uh, our business coach and his wife yesterday. We were at this little party thing in Missouri and and uh, they had come up from Tennessee, and, uh, and it was the first time they'd gotten to meet the ladies. You know, he told us that he thought Mike and I were making it up, that we didn't, we weren't actually married, that we just made it up. Um, but uh, you know, we, I was, you know, he grew up, uh, you know, dirt poor when he was a teenager. He lived in a house with no carpet and uh, and uh, like just just bare wood floors and you know no. All the, I mean, it's just a shack out in the boonies in the south. And uh, so I, I told him that, you know, Cynthia grew up playing a game, too. It's called Survive, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, when I met her, she lived in a house with no toilet, you know. And so it's like, yeah, I, I feel you. Um, but uh, um, and I don't remember where I was going with that now. But uh, I actually did have a reason for bringing that up. Um, Oh, because you don't want to just survive. You don't want to just go from one week to the next. You want to, you know, um, you know, because you know. Do you think Cynthia was really glad when I I showed up on my my shining armor with the white, you know, like things snapping from my lance and you know, swept her onto the back of my mighty steed and carried her off to an apartment that had actual indoor plumbing? Yes. <laughs> yeah, she was. But um, but but her life has more purpose than that because that's I mean that's that's all well and good but what we want is to grow in that knowledge of him and 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 that is uh, and and the more you do that the more you you come away from this thing of making God in your own image and and excusing away the things that you want to do because well after all it's like it's like well you know my my little little God cap thing here says it's okay. You know, I was, you know, uh, of course, July 4th is on Thursday, and it's looking at my calendar in this lonely little day after it, and then the weekend, and I was just, hmm, should I, should I leave that day open? Because the little people in Texas might schedule me appointments that day if I don't block it off. And then I mentioned that out loud, and Cynthia kind of gave me that look. <laughs> like, 
You, you have to block it off. It's, it's the day after your birthday. <laughs> like, yeah, all right. All right. So I did. Um, but um, I lost my train of thought again. I don't know where I was going with that. But um, anyway, so uh, here in verse 10, he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increase... Oh, I know where I was going with that. Because I was going to say that, you know, when I want to take a day off or something like that, I think, well, let me ask my boss. He says it's okay. (laughs) Because I say it's okay. And if I asked Mike, he would probably say it's okay too. I don't ask him just in case. (laughs) Because he's, he's the big boss, I'm the little boss. No. Uh, anyway, actually, uh, but so he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and the home pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And and again, the more more you come into that, the the less and less you are you could make God in some image other than what He is, because the more you know about Him, the less you could just make it up. You know, have you ever? You know, when you were in junior high, did you ever have a crush on somebody and you kind of had this idea of who they were? You know, and then you get to know them a little bit and they're not at all like what you thought they were. And and suddenly they are no longer of interest to you. You know, and so the it's it's easy to imagine what somebody is like. You know, I went to school with all these pretty girls and it's like, you know, you would imagine that they're like, you know, oh, I'm sure she's really nice and stuff. You talk to her for like a minute and a half, and it's like, oh, <laughs> like suddenly she's not so pretty, you know. But the uh, uh, so so coming into this place of you know because this is something that you want to pray that God would do, and you want to work with Him on it. It's like walk worthy of the Lord, to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the same word that, that he used up there in verse 9. Full recognition and understanding. Increasing in the full recognition and understanding of God. Because if you understand who God is, then uh, you couldn't possibly make Him into something else in your mind. Because, because you understand the goodness and the severity of God. We've we focus so much in modern America on the goodness of God that we forget about the severity of God. That He does actually have real standards and and real expectations for us. Uh, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, and unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father which has made us meet or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Are you ever going to get there making up God as you go along? Not at all. Uh, And here's here's where I actually wanted to get to, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, 
firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And man, this I mean this chapter just gets better and better as you go. But uh, I wanted to read this passage because it's talking about the image of God. The image of the invisible God. So, uh, you know, honestly, Israel is, is at least in part working from what they knew because they they had been brought up in Egypt where they had all the statues and the false gods and all the stuff. And so they assumed that God must be like that somehow. And, uh, and God, of course... Uh, disavowed them of that idea rather quickly, but um, if you wanted to know, well then, what is God really like? What is, it, what is He actually like? Then He's given us this image. There's a dreadful, dreadful song that was popular when I was in high school that was like, what if God was one of us? It's a terrible song. But, I like that idea of if you could see God as a living, breathing person in a way that you could relate to him and understand him, like that you could like encompass what he's like in your mind, then you can see him in Jesus. Because he, he was a literally a living, breathing person on on the earth. And and we have him uh all spelled out for us uh in in red and black and white in in, in the in the Bible. To tell us, well, you know, if you wanted to know what what is what is God like, what what is the image of God? It would be that. And so He's given us He's given us this book that that is the very the very image of God. And the last thing I wanted to point out about this word, and you've probably heard me tell you this before, this word image. This is where we get the word icon. Yeah, right. You know, and you know, and an icon is not just something you click on. This is this is an image. This is uh, this is an actual thing that is uh, that you know, is is an, is an image of something, just like you would you would understand the word image in modern English. But it is actually made from the very nature of the thing that it's an image of. Uh, so, for example, uh, Jeremy looks an awful lot like me. Bless his heart, and. <laughs> You know, and so much so that uh, you know, Mike was telling me that all of his memories from childhood, my I now have Jeremy's face because they were so darn close. And so it's like he's like an icon because he looks like me, but and he, uh, but he's also he's he shares my nature because he came from me. And so, um, so then he goes on to say here that. Uh, that that Jesus, this this image of the invisible God, is the firstborn, firstborn of every creature, and the head of the church, and the, the preeminent, the firstborn from the dead, and so, so then you have this same icon living in you, and so that's the thing that you want to bring out, because you know Aaron had like this big lump of gold, and he worked it and worked it and worked it until he got this calf. He didn't just like magically pull it out of the fire and like. Oh. And so, and so, so we we work in partnership with God. It's like you've got this image of God in you, and it's like He's chipping away at all the all the slough and stuff and and things that are on the outside of it. And so, so that you will you will be talking to to your brother or sister, and you'll hear that little tink 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 tink. 
because God is is He's bringing that image out of there. And if I I am a pathetic artist, but I know that if you are going to draw something, if you're going to sculpt something, if you're going to paint something, you have to have an image firmly in mind of what you're going for. You have to have a, You can't just kind of start out like, oh, I'm just going to see what happens. You, know? you kind of have to have an idea of what you're doing. And so God has this very firm image in mind when He's working on you. Because His intention for you is that you're going to come out looking just like Him. And so one day you'll look in the mirror and you'll see Him. And, and say, Jesus, how did you... There you are! <laughs> and... But it's you because He lives inside of you and because uh, He's... He's taken you from this place of where you could just make God up as you go along. Have you ever played a board game with a kid that just makes up the rules as they go along? It's terrible. You can't win at that. It's hopeless. And it doesn't go anywhere. Making up God as you go along is the same way. It's it's the exact same thing. It's like, oh, you can't hit me. i got a force field. You know, it's like, you know. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So... So he's the firstborn among the dead. And so so he puts us all in that boat of having died with him. And then says, you know, actually, um, you know, I'm going to bring you to life again. This firstborn uh, as, as you know, being alive from the dead. But you're not going to come up looking like you. You're going to come up looking like me. And, you know, we may, may take a little squeezing and a little chipping and maybe some fire. But uh, before you know it, you will be looking just like me. And uh, so, uh, so he's a good God. He knows how to get us to, uh, to the end of the road. He knows how to get done in us what, what we could never do. Um, but, but he does ex- have an expectation that we're going to work in partnership with him on it, that, that we're on board with the project. Um, because otherwise it would be like the, the kid with the science project that clearly his dad made it and he didn't do anything. You know, and and it's of no value because he didn't do anything to it. The kid doesn't care. But but when you have worked with God on the process, and and the, and the more you work on the process with Him, the more you love Him, and and the and the more you see Him doing these things in you, and the more you want to please Him, the more you want to be like Him, and the more willing you are to to get in and work on the project. You know, I mean, when I was when I was younger, I remember like having things that I liked to spend my time doing that I literally could not imagine ever, ever not wanting to do. Not ever that I, I didn't think I could ever like give this up and get it out of my life or whatever. Um, and you know, as, as I just as I went along with God and let Him do what He was doing and worked with Him on it, I found I didn't really want that stuff anymore. I could just kind of leave it by the wayside and eventually it's like I didn't even have the stuff in my house anymore because it was just collecting dust. And you know what? I didn't miss it because I was really glad that God did what God did. And so, you know, so so you might have, you know, so maybe God is is dealing with you about getting rid of something because 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 we're not making God in up as we go along in, in the image that we'd like him to be. Uh, and I, I can tell you that, that God knows how to 
not only help you lay that aside, but, but be so glad you did and, and, and not even miss it. So, Jesus, we just we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you are unchangeable. God, we, we're always changing and always having new thoughts and ideas and new things to distract us uh, uh, or new things that we'd like to do or whatever it is. But, but God, you never change. You stay the same. God, and, and we thank you for that, that unchanging image that you have presented us with. God, and we can, we can look in the mirror of your word and we can see where, where we don't match up to the image. And those are the things that we bring to you. And say, God, we need these things to change. I don't, my eyes aren't like your eyes yet. My nose isn't like your nose yet. We need to fix this stuff. And God, I just I thank you because you are a hands-on God, and you are working with us, God, to to make us and mold us into that very image, God. You put it inside of us, and you're bringing it out so that the world might see you, God. We just we praise you today, we glorify you. We just pray that every need in this place you would meet, God. Every uh, every question you would answer. God, and that that you would just raise up in us a sense of of expectation of of receiving something from you today. You know, we're uh, we're grateful to you. We appreciate all that you're doing in us, and we just we pray that your presence would do in us and through us and to us, God, as as only you could, and, and that we would bring you that that offering of praise that you uh, so richly deserve. God, we pray it in your righteous name. Amen. Amen. All right.